Hello, this is Pastor Luke, and you are listening to the Living Hope Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon. Our mission is to grow disciples and multiply churches who will glorify God and transform communities. For more information about our church, please visit our website at livinghopehenderson.com. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for a day to intentionally celebrate and honor Mother's God. What a gift to us. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would lead us and guide us into your truth this morning. We forbid you, enemy of God, from interfering with this morning in any way. We bind and silence you in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would be the voice that we hear, that yours would be the voice that would speak to us and uh, and lead us into all truth. We are so very grateful. In your name, amen. So it happened, um, again, just a couple weeks ago. I don't even remember which week, honestly. Um, I don't know if it was last week or three weeks ago or, or something like that. And I was preaching. And you have to forgive me, I have a head cold. So my voice is super low and like super dry. So I'm going to be drinking water the whole time. Um, but in, in the service, someone had, you know, a little one. And it was squawking a little bit and making some noise and whatever. We don't care. And then, uh, but then one of the, the parents, you know, took, took the little one and, and left the sanctuary. But here's the thing. You can't see what I see right? Because you're all looking this way and I'm looking that way, right? So you see things I don't see, so hopefully I'm dressed proper. Um, but also, you don't get to see what I, I get to see. And what stuck out to me that time was how many people were smiling. And I hi- that, highlight that simply because I've had so many people come and tell me, especially the grandmas and grandpas, how they love the noise of babies and little ones in the sanctuary. Like, they, they love it. So, moms and dads, I mean, if your little one makes some noise, we don't care. Um, if you feel it's strategic to go outside with them because you got to change a diaper or whatever, like, that's fine. But just know, like, please don't do that for our sake, right? Like, just in the conversations that I've had with everyone, like, like this is a space where we love, um, love that kind of sound. A little public service announcement there. Normally, maybe, yes. <laughs> See? You can clap on that. <laughs> um, a bit of a confession as well, uh, and you may have noticed this, but normally I give pretty minimal thought to the sermon title on a weekly basis, right? Like, we're not posting it outside on, like, a board. Most people just see it for the first time when they show up and get the bulletin. And so I normally just pick something bland and descriptive, you know, because I'm, I'm not convinced that it's going to change how many people show up, you know, or someone's like, ooh, is this just what he did with the adverbs. It's so catchy. I think I'll show up, right? Like, I don't see that happening. So I just pick something just kind of, yeah. And maybe I should put more thought in, into something catchy, but I don't. Um, but today, I titled it Once in a Lifetime Mother's Day Message, which is a pretty bold statement to say once in a lifetime Mother's Day message, right? But at the same time, I absolutely believe that to be true today, right? And, and to say that this Mother's Day message is one that will only happen once in your lifetime Like, that's a lot of audacity. We're in a sermon series, right? We're going through the book of Luke. 
we're in chapter 7. Our progression going through the book of Luke has us in Luke chapter 7, verse 11. It's a heartwarming story. Jesus sees a mother who, who is also clarified as a widow, but he, he sees a mother who has just lost her only son. The funeral procession is on the way to the cemetery. Jesus sees this. He sees the mom. He has compassion on her, and he raises her son to life, right? Powerful story of Jesus having compassion on, on this heartbroken mom. In addition to that, it's Mother's Day. And in addition to that, it has been revealed that most likely the Supreme Court is leaning towards overturning Roe versus Wade. And we're going to go after all three, <laughs> which, which is why I say, like, this is just a, a once-in-a-lifetime Mother's Day message. And I am amazed because just the lines of connectedness between these three on, on motherhood and, and life and, and on death and the power of Jesus and God's kingdom and the kingdom of death and, and victory of Jesus over death and the heart of a mother, like, it's amazing to me, how these are all, all connected together. Three stories, all revolving around motherhood, life, and death. And we're going to go after all three, just one at a time. So, we're going to start with Scripture, because we always like to start with Scripture. So we're going to start with Luke, chapter 7, verse 11. And let me read this, this story to you. Um, verses 11 to 17. Uh, soon afterward, he went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a great crowd went with him. So he's got a big, big group with him. Um, as he drew near the gate of the town, behold, a man who had died was being carried out, the only son of his mother. She was a widow, and a considerable crowd from the town was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her. And he said, do not weep. Then he came and he touched the, the, the bier, uh, and, and the bearer stood still, and he said, Young man, I say to you, arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak, and Jesus gave him to his mother. Fear seized them all, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has risen among us, and God has visited his people. And this report about him spread through the whole of Judea and all the surrounding countryside. So you, you can pull up that map, just kind of as a real quick, as, as a reference. Jesus had previously been in Capernaum. That's the red star on the top. That's the Sea of Galilee. And then he travels down to Nain, so about 25 miles to the, to the southwest. Um, this is the one and only time we, we read of this city. We never hear of this city again for, for anything else. This is the one time it, it appears in Scripture. Um, Jesus, he, he's got a big group with him. Um, and he traveled with him. So they approach the city. And as they're approaching the city, this funeral procession is just coming out of this city. And there's all kind. I mean, if we have more time, there's, there's all kinds of amazing spiritual contrasts, literally, between Jesus and his group and how they are just just coming off of, of a high celebrating life and, and meeting a funeral procession that, that are mourning death. Um, and so anyway, so these two group, groups meet. Um, Jewish tradition really tried to avoid a ceremonial uncleanliness by, by touching a dead body. So funerals often happen like pretty quick if they could the day of or maybe right away the, the next day. Um, and 
they probably would have just wrapped the body in a burial cloth, but then they carry him like on a board or a plank. Um, so you can kind of see the form of the person, but he's on a board or plank, and then they carry him out to their, basically like their, their version of, of a cemetery. Um, she is described as a widow, so she's already lost her husband. Uh, this is her, her one and only son, right? Obviously, there is, like, this is just very heartbreaking, but, but in addition, you, like, there's no one really anymore to take care of her in, in her old age, right? Like, it, it's almost implying um, not just finances. I mean, it, it's beyond finances, but, you know, oftentimes the kids were the retirement plan, right? Like, they didn't have a 401k, you know? And so, like, there, there's literally no one to, to take care of her and, and watch over her unless other friends step in. And so, and so there's, there's a tragic element um, in that as well, too. Um, Jesus touches the plank that the young man is carried on. Um, and, and technically, this would have made him ceremonial, unclean, but it's Jesus, so, so it doesn't. And he brings this, this young man to life. And so we have this mother who is grieving loss and grieving the death of her child. And Je- Jesus enters the picture and restores life. One of the very first things we know is just Jesus' compassion for this mom. Uh, verse 13, when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her. Whole massive crowd. It wasn't the sun. It wasn't the crowd. He didn't feel pressure because of all of this. He saw her. He saw the widow. He saw the mom. And his heart went out to her. And he had compassion on her. She is brokenhearted. She is alone. Her husband has died. Her son has died. The Lord sees her. And when he sees this mom and this widow and this grieving mother, he has compassion on her. It is interesting how grief and sorrow sometimes define us, right? Because in this story, we don't get her name. We, we don't get her backstory. We really only get two descriptors. Widow, loss of a son. And, and I recognize that it's a quick story, and so sometimes authors are needing to be efficient with space and move quick. I, I, I get that. But at the same time, this woman is really only defined by her grief. And she's really only defined by her loss. And, I mean, I've seen enough of life. I think she would be okay with that description in this moment. I I think she, in this moment, would also define herself by her loss. And that's just kind of my observations of humanity. That in a moment like this, that she would also simply define herself by the loss of husband and the loss of a son. Jesus comes upon this situation. I don't believe that this was an accident. I don't believe that this was just good luck. Somehow in God's providence and timing, he arranged this so that these two groups would meet. And I think that's just the grace of God that this timing would be so perfect, that these two massive groups would meet outside the city and that everyone would see what was about to unfold. And Jesus observes this whole situation, but again, I'm struck by how he sees her and how he has compassion on her. And he gives back to her the thing that she has lost and what her heart desires, and that is the life of her son. I I think, if if I recall correctly, we really only have three specific stories of Jesus raising people from the dead. I, I mean, like, it appears to have happened several times, but, like, specific stories where we get the details or names or that kind of thing. And, and this, this is one of them. We have the author of life, Jesus. 
encounters death, and death cannot overcome him. Jesus is life. Jesus brings life. Jesus offers life. And even for us, right? I mean, you and I are dead in our transgressions. Jesus offers life. And I love how Jesus has compassion on this grieving mom. And I also love how Jesus overcomes death with a very simple spoken word. Um, some of you, like, we've, we've been going through um, a class or a study together on spiritual authority and spiritual warfare and, and stories like this that, that display the incredible authority and the power of Jesus. Because all Jesus does is touch, and I don't even know if the touch was necessary, if he was just stopping the progression, but he touches and then he speaks a word and the dead are raised. Death cannot stand before him. Life must obey him. He speaks directly to the boy, and the boy is raised on, on a simple command. That is, that is the power of Jesus, the authority of Jesus, that, dead can, that death cannot resist him and that life must obey him. So that's the first story. Second story, of course, is that it's Mother's Day. And we get to honor and thank and celebrate the moms among us. It's been kind of interesting. The, um, the more I have watched Joe be a mom, um, the more it has opened just my eyes to other moms and how they interact with the, their children. And the more I notice and, am, and am, uh, kind of struggle for words here, but just filled with like, there's like an element of wonder and an element of mystery. And husbands, gentlemen, you'll, you'll have to back me up on this. I'm sure you, you've seen it too. But there is something um, profound or something mysterious or uh, appealing just in the way that moms will radiate or glow like in the presence of their children or in the way they talk about their children. You know, as a bachelor, I didn't notice that because whatever, most bachelors are just dumb. Um, but uh, at least I was. Uh, write your own story. Um, but it's just, it is, it is amazing, and as I've gotten older, to just observe the way that moms will radiate and glow when it comes to, to their children. Proverbs 31 has great comments about moms, um, starting in verse 10. An excellent wife who can find. She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of grain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. And then there's a whole bunch of verses about how she works hard in the home and out of the home, and she's conducting business deals and buying stuff and all this other kind of stuff. And then verse 25 Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her, saying, I, I inserted saying, but you can see it's in quotes, Many women have done excell excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. And that is how Proverbs ends. A book that we typically consider the book of wisdom, 31 chapters of wisdom, and it ends with this a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. 
Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. Honor the women among us. Let let the fruit of their hands receive praise. I think that this church has a healthy culture of godly wives and and of godly women. I think it's rare um, just because I think that those things are ferociously under attack in our culture. Um, Our culture is so confused that like we just appointed a gal to the Supreme Court who couldn't even define what a woman is. <laughs> I think our church and I think our community are healthier because of the spiritual health of the women amongst us. And I think that that should never be taken for granted. But it should also never assume that, that it happens naturally, right? Good motherhood is mentored to the next generation. Um, there is a lot about motherhood, I think, that is instinctual. But in Titus 2, it tells us that godly motherhood is not instinctual, but it, that it's learned from our elders. And so moms to pass on what you have received from, from other moms. The third story that interacts with all of this is the story of Roe versus Wade. So there's a little bit of background and information. So in 1973, the Supreme Court ruled in Roe versus Wade that abortion was legal in the entire country. Um, since that time, it's estimated that in the U.S., we've seen between 62, maybe 63 million babies murdered. Meaning that without question, it is the greatest genocide that our world has ever known. What it also means is that right now in America... The most dangerous place for you to be is actually in your mother's womb. If you look at, at the nation, just as, as an average, more face the danger of murder and death in their own, murder, own mother's womb than in any other place in America. So Monday evening, I'm scrolling through, through um, social media, and a person posts, wow, SCOTUS, so Supreme Court of the United States, SCOTUS is overturning Roe versus Wade. And I thought... Yeah, probably not. That's probably misinformation on that one. Tuesday, more and more posts start to pop up. And what had happened is that um, the Supreme Court, let me just read this to you, um, just to kind of get all the facts straight. A draft Supreme Court opinion, um, apparently by the conservative justice Samuel Alito, was leaked to political on late Monday night. It appears to show that the court is preparing to rule in favor of Mississippi in a case over whether the state can outlaw nearly all abortions at or after 15 weeks gestation, which is a direct challenge to the guarantee of abortion rights that are enshrined in Roe v. Wade. The 98-page document, which includes 118 footnotes, 31-page appendix, on um, historical state abortion laws was published in full. So someone, and they don't know who, um, leaked the, the entire thing. Um, and then there's a couple of quotes from it where, where he explains it. Um, the opinion is, is a draft, so it would have been written after a vote um, by the court, and it indicates that a majority justices reached the same view. And um, so, so there were four or five others on the nine-member court. Um, after such a vote... Um, a justice is assigned to the majority opinion, and I think also another one is, is assigned to the minority opinion. So um, one is assigned to the majority opinion, they write a draft, and then that gets circulated amongst all nine, and they can add edits and that kind of thing. There, it is possible that, that changes are to be made, and then they have a, a final ruling. 
Um, a few other things. So the court is due to make a final decision in June or early July, but we have this draft that, that has emerged. Um, if the right to abortion is overturned, then actually what happens is just that it goes back down to the state level. It's no longer protected at the federal level. It goes back down to the state level, and it's accept, expected that about half, or about 23 states, are primed and ready to go where they would make abortion illegal. And in fact, 13 states have trigger laws already in place where basically they said this is the law is so that if Roe versus Wade ever gets overturned, this law immediately goes into effect. So 13 states have trigger laws, and, and then another 10 are like, if this passes, we're, we're, we're all over it. Um, and also the Supreme Court did verify that, that the leak was authentic, and they're, they're doing an investigation on that. Um, uh, since then, it's, it's been interesting. Several large organizations uh, are amending their health care coverage, like they will now, in support of abortion, they will now reimburse you medical travel expenses if you travel out of the state. So I think Amazon will reimburse you up to $4,000 if you travel out of the state uh, to, to get an abortion. Um, the, uh, Joni was telling me that they had a poll, they, they did a poll where 61% of those surveyed thought that if Roe versus Wade is overturned, then it would ban abortions across the whole country which is not true, but I share that to just say that 61% of those polled really have no idea what's going on. That doesn't help either. Um, while some states are working to ban abortion, some are actually working to enshrine it or get it on the law books to make it more accessible. Um, over in California, their governor just signed a legislation that eliminates the out-of-pocket expenses for abortion service, so they're just trying to make it as free and as accessible as possible um, over there. Um, honestly, for me personally, I'm astounded that this is happening. Uh, I mean, I had hoped for it, you know, and you're like, oh yeah, wouldn't that be great? Honestly, I never thought our, our country would, would go this direction. I just thought that we were so far gone morally that we would never actually see that this overturned or this even be, become an option. Like, I, to be fair, I thought we just, that battle was lost. I first saw this on Monday night, so Tuesday morning, processing it, reading it, and, and I wrote down two predictions that I thought would happen like in the weeks to come. Um, and this, this is what I wrote. I said, I think we'll see two things, an, an onslaught, outright war you know, from, from the liberal side of this topic that will be um, vile. I mean, slander, hatred, protests, pockets of violence, attempting to put social pressure or intimidation to convince these court justices to not do this. Um, the justices themselves will receive just unimaginable hatred and threats. Second, we'll see our current president and vice president, who are staunch advocates of abortion, who are not pro-choice, but are actually pro-abortion, anti-choice, anti-life. Um, they will fight hard to make and make a lot of noise about abortion becoming the law of the land. I thought I had a couple weeks on that. Those came about in like 24, 48 hours. Like it, like um, now it's old news, actually. Um, not only are, have we seen our president and vice president speak against this, uh, we're seeing groups mobilized to protest at the homes of these justices. And so there are groups that are saying, 
like they've, they've taken home addresses and made them public and saying, you know, we're going to gather and we're going to do protests outside the homes of these five or six justices. And then another group was actually organizing protests outside churches because several of these churches are cath or several of these, uh, sorry, head cold, several of these justices are Catholic. And so they're like, we're mad at Catholics. And so right now this morning, there are groups, and I don't know how many, that are protesting outside Catholic churches because they think it was this grand conspiracy to overturn Roe versus Wade. Uh, I mean, I don't know if it's a conspiracy if you've been public about it for a few decades, so I'm not, but anyways. In Genesis, when woman was first created, Adam calls her Eve because she's the mother of all the living. Before Eve even has kids, Adam recognizes it in his wife, like what she will do and what she will become. And, and I have come to believe that, that in the heart of every woman beats the heart of a mother. Um, some women will have biological children of their own. They become mothers, which is awesome. Some women adopt children, um, and, and you see that. Some women are, never have kids. God has them called to something else, and we need to celebrate that and, and honor that um, just for their obedience and faithfulness. But I believe that even within her, as she engages with the world, there is that mothering heart within her. And I even believe that even in the most broken, uh, wicked, vile females among us, I believe that mothering heart exists because I believe that that's how God designed her, but that mothering heart has been damaged or hurt or broken, sometimes calloused or desensitized, surrendered to sin, and so that mothering heart is still there, but sin and suffering have, have just corrupted it. To me, it is one of the most greatest displays of the sinful fall of man when the descendants of Eve work with such fervor to facilitate the death of their own children. Like, I just, I, I can think of few things that show just how far we, we fell when sin entered the world. And how great is our sinfulness and how great is our brokenness and how great is our depravity when the daughters of Eve contend and battle for the ability to kill a child. But, and listen to this part very carefully because this is very, very important. How great must the, must the grace of God be that for even such as this, God is willing to extend grace and forgiveness and reconciliation and enter into a new restored relationship. I mean, we can spend a lot of time on the brokenness of man, but the more we understand the depth and the brokenness of man, we always have to come back to like, wow, how great the grace of God that overcomes that and has more than enough grace to cover that. Hear this, no matter your history, grace and forgiveness and acceptance are available to you. No matter your history, does not matter, um, grace and forgiveness are available to you. In researching this, I, I came across a great sermon um, by a, a, a gentleman who, who gave 23 verses 
on God's love for, for the unborn children. If you want, I can give you a little bit more, more detail on that. Uh, for the sake of time, I just pulled out six that, that I, th- I thought were, were great, but if you want to find all, all 23, I can point you in that direction. Starting at the beginning, Genesis 1.28, God is pro-life. Uh, God blessed them, so this is Adam and Eve. God blessed them, God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. So we've got Adam and Eve, the only two people on earth, and, and the first command is be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, subdue it. God basically tells them, have lots of kids. And those kids should have lots of kids. And, and on and on. And honestly, I don't see any place where this command goes away. Right? God is pro-life. He created life. He commanded for life to happen. He gives us life. He wants life to flourish. He wants life to multiply. Second, Ecclesiastes 11.5, a preborn child has a soul. Um, so in Ecclesiastes, he's, they're basic, he's basically writing about the wonders of God and kind of a who, who, who can fathom the mysteries of God. And he writes this, as you do not know the way that the spirit comes to the bones in the womb of a woman and the child, so you do not know the work of God who makes everything. So basically he's saying, look, you don't know how all this works. I mean, it's just beyond you. But as one of the examples, he says, you don't fully understand how it all comes to be that the spirit comes to the bones in the womb of a woman um, with child. One of the mysteries of God is that he puts a, that, that spirit, that soul, into the preborn child. Meaning, the preborn child has a soul. Third, one of the things that we find in the Old Testament is people engaging in demonic activity through killing their children. Um, in Leviticus, so God is giving a lot of different commands. Some are for cleanliness and, and that kind of thing, but some are for holiness. And in Leviticus 18.21, he writes this. There's a whole paragraph on like, you're not going to do this and you're not going to do this. And then he gets really strong wording on this. And he says, verse 21, you shall not give any of your children to offer them to Molech and so profane the name of the Lord your God. I am the Lord. So Molech was a, um, a god, an entity, a, a demonic spiritual entity that was worshipped in, in the, in, we find in, in the Old Testament. Sometimes um, he, he went, uh, the Ammonites and the Canaanites would engage in this activity. Um, sometimes it was called Milcom, sometimes it was called Molech, might have gone uh, by different names. Um, I, I think we just call it pro-choice <laughs> uh, in, in our day. So this is one of the things we see happening in the Old Testament. Fourth, This is fascinating. Jesus harms those who harm children. Matthew 18, verses 5 and 6. Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. Okay, good news. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. So a millstone was a big, huge, giant round stone that, that they would turn and it would grind up and crush the grain, right? Like big, big, huge thing, okay? All of us are, are going to give an account for an, our actions. So if you have been saved by the grace of Jesus, your sins are forgiven, and then, you know, it, it looks like you get rewards for your faithfulness. If you're not saved by Jesus, okay, then you have to receive consequences for your sins, And Jesus, in effect, says, if you're one who harms my children or you causes them to sin, 
by the time I'm done with you, you'll wish you had been tied to a giant rock and thrown in the ocean. Because that is going to be way better than what I have planned for you. So, when Jesus threatens violence, like, we should probably take note, all right? Like, Jesus basically says, when, when I'm done with you, you'll wish you had just been tied to a rock and thrown into the depths of the ocean. Because what awaits for you is going to be so much worse. Jesus harms those who harm children. Fifth, children in the womb can worship. Such a great story. Um, Luke chapter 1, verse 41 and then 44. So the story of Mary and Elizabeth, Mary, mother of Jesus, um, Elizabeth, her, her relative, mother of John the Baptist. Um, the two meet. Both of them are, are pregnant. Uh, Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary. The baby leapt in her womb. Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Going down to verse 44. Behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby, leapt in my, or the baby in my womb leapt for joy. So that would have been John the Baptist, right? He's in the womb. Another verse says he's already filled with the Holy Spirit. So there's all kinds of fascinating stuff on that. He hears the sound of Mary's voice, who carries Jesus, and he leaps for joy. He worships, right? Babies in the womb can still worship. And sixth, Mark 10, verse 13 to 16, Jesus loved kids. They were bringing children to him that he might touch them. And the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. Jesus loved kids, and the kids loved Jesus. I mean, the guy was a kid magnet. Like, they just, the kids flocked to Jesus. They wanted to be near him, and Jesus loved kids. If the Supreme Court justices hold to their position, if they overturn Roe versus Wade, then, then it will strip abortion of its nationwide protection and let each state decide for their own. And with 23 states ready to outlaw abortion, that's great news. That's great news. And we need to pray hard for our government and for those justices and, and the court just all throughout this summer, right? It's not as good as just a full ban on abortion, but it's progress. It's progress, and I will take it for that. But at the same time, we all know that, that you cannot legislate repentance, and you cannot legislate a love for the Lord. And while I am so thankful for what will happen or, or what it appears is going to happen, the true solution to all this is when the individual repents of their sin, receives the overwhelming grace of God, and enters into a new reconciled relationship with Jesus, right? That is what success looks like. If the court does this, fantastic. But the government is simply doing what it was designed or, or perhaps I should say was intended to do. And I believe to just keep evil at bay, keep it restrained, keep it content, contained so that the church and the family can do what God calls the church and the family to do. To give us that freedom and that space to do that. I realize too that it, at first glance it may seem heavy or, or dark to talk about this on Mother's Day. I don't think so. Um, in fact, I think this may be some of the best Mother's Day news that you have ever heard. 
like there will never be a Mother's Day like this one because life is being given a chance. And I think for those with that, with that mother's heart, that resonates with you more than anyone. Men do not believe that you are to be silenced in any of this. Um, lead, make some noise, defend, protect, love on your kids. Last verse of the Old Testament, very last verse of the Old Testament, Malachi 4, 6. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. I think that you could interpret that, really, to say that if fathers are not for their children, then God will curse and destroy the land. God wants the fathers engaged in this discussion and loving on their kids. I said at the beginning all this, right? The overlap of a mother's heart, of life, of death. Like there's so many intersecting lines between all of this. It's absolutely amazing. But we know that God loves life. We know that mothers love life. We know that life is being given a chance, hopefully, in at least some states. But at the same time, we cannot legislate a love for Jesus, and so we still have our work cut out for us. And so thank you to the moms in our midst who do so much to point us towards Jesus. We're better because of you. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, it's a pretty remarkable thing that is on the horizon. And so, Lord, we pray that thy will would be done, that your truth would prevail. We pray that Roe versus Wade would be repealed and that life would be given a chance. We ask for your protection over um, those who are, are wanting to, to make this happen. And, Lord, for those gathered here, Father, I ask for your protection and your blessing over them that this week that they would see you and encounter you and hear you and fall more in love with you. We worship you, Jesus. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to this week's sermon. We hope you were enriched and encouraged. If you have any questions about Christ or church or would like more information, visit our website at livinghopehenderson.com or email me directly at Luke at livinghopehenderson.com. We hope you have a fantastic week. Take care and God bless.